I'm April West. And I'm Katherine Sigblad. We're both first-time moms who are passionate about following our intuition and not afraid to do things differently. To say we question everything is an understatement. If you find yourself analyzing ingredient labels, searching for holistic alternatives to pharmaceuticals and routine practices, and you're curious about all things baby wearing, bed sharing, and postpartum, you will feel right at home here. In this podcast, we fearlessly confront the pregnancy, birth, and postpartum industries, share our mom hacks, and never stop challenging the status quo. We simplify the approach to motherhood and trust in nature. We are moms off the record. New York. New York. Okay. Are we ready? ready? Okay. Welcome to another episode of Moms Off the Record. It is Kat and April today, and we are going to get raw and exposed when it comes to the topic of being a working mom or a stay-at-home mom or some version in the middle. So we're going to give you our experience. We're also, we should talk about perspective that we've gained now that we're almost a year on my side and over a year on your side of being in these instances and how, ironically, (laughs) we're feeling pulled into opposing directions. So yes. Let's get into it. Let's get into it because we actually ran a poll on Instagram. We wanted to see, should we do this episode first or an episode on how our friendships have evolved ever since becoming moms? And over 50% more of you voted for this one. So obviously there is a deep interest in this topic. And I also want to clarify one thing because a lot of people are like, Oh, like, why is it just called stay-at-home mom when, of course, they're working a lot, too? We get that. I get that firsthand. (laughs) All we mean to say is, like, the working mom who is doing the traditional, like, you have another employer. Obviously, both moms are working very hard in different ways and sometimes in the same ways. So, yeah. And we're not going to try and speak on the perspective of the moms who have digital business. Like, I'm thinking of... Monat or Beauty Counter, like those kind of homegrown businesses. We're talking about in our experience, for me, corporate life versus you, full-time motherhood. Yes, that is what we mean. So let's dive right mm-hmm. in without further ado. Yeah. So, Kat, you had the unique experience of being a corporate woman. Yes. And then when you were pregnant, oh, yeah. you got a lot of flack yes. for quitting your job before you were even afforded your maternity leave, which I thought was so interesting. Tell us why you made that decision. People thought I was crazy for doing that. And I do see why, though I still stand firmly behind my decision. So for those of you who don't know about my work background, I have like an eight-year tenure in the digital space. So selling technology, selling software. I was most recently working for a cybersecurity company. And, you know, I really love my job in many aspects. However, it's really interesting, like in my 20s, especially having been a graduate from, you know, New York University, and I'm not saying like, oh, that's the best school in the country. But, you know, 
I worked really hard to get into that school and I always envisioned myself as being this career, you know, corporate ladder climber and like, mm. oh, I'm going to be a CEO and like that boss babe culture, which like it just kind of makes me cringe now when I think of like that boss babe culture and that life. Bec- and the reason why I say that is I feel like it just goes against like what's biologically normal and natural. That's not to say Yeah, and that's not to say I am anti-women being in the workforce. What I mean is those high testosterone, really aggressive roles, like those, you know, commission-oriented sales roles, I don't think it's conducive to motherhood. And this is all leading up to my why. Like, why did I intentionally decide to leave before taking my 12-week paid maternity leave? Well, It's a combination of, I just feel like I definitely was feeling the burnout. You know, there's only so many years where you can be chasing after those commission checks, right? And as a company grows, they cut the territories even more and it's just more grueling. And I just knew myself, I I was dealing with the roller coaster of emotions of being, uh, being Mm. that this was my first pregnancy, I wanted to be able to fully like enjoy it without the stress of like oh man one more week left and I have to go back to chasing another quota um and so Mm. I recognize not everyone can do that but yeah people were shocked I decided to resign from my job before taking the maternity leave so it was actually like two months before Julian was born um and the reason is too a lot of people aren't aware of this but like if you do decide to take your paid maternity leave at least at most companies and not return when your maternity leave is over the company actually has the legal right to go after you for all the money they gave you so it's not like they're just giving you money out of the goodness of your heart like oh you know enjoy this time off they're giving you that money under the premise that you will return to your job when the leave is over and I'm, I'm just going to be real. Like, I, I just didn't want to go back to the corporate workforce. I wanted to be at home with my baby, you know? And you knew that before he even arrived. I did. It was like this calling I had inside of me. Also, breastfeeding was so important to me that I didn't want to end up exclusively pumping or primarily pumping. For me, it just seemed like more st- even more stress on top of an already extremely high pressure and high stress sales career. I know, mm. I know of some moms that are actually quite close to me who were like very excited, like genuinely excited to go back to their full-time jobs after eight weeks postpartum or 12 weeks, like Oof. genuinely looking mm. forward, not just saying it for like LinkedIn likes and shares. I personally can't relate to that. And I think it's just because like it's that feminine instinct, you know, and still mm-hmm. to this day, no regrets. So that's, that's my story. Now, April... Awesome. You, I remember, Mm. and it feels like just yesterday, I know that you had, what was it, a four-month maternity leave, right? And Mm -hmm. then I remember Mm -hmm. we had that phone call where you were... We had several several phone phone calls. calls. But it's like you were even wondering, like, should I even start this new job? You know, like, what do I do? Because you were hired while you were pregnant, like, but but for a totally different company, right? Let's hear about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I also spent seven years at Gartner. So I definitely know high pressure sales environments. And I 
moved to Georgia to take on a field role where you have a little bit more work-life balance, you have a lot more autonomy. Because I moved here during COVID, like there was no expectations to meet with clients in person. Everything had gone online, which was great. I was loving the role. And then when we decided to get pregnant, towards the middle of, well, the first trimester when you're dog tired, I was so grateful to have that job because if I got my job done and I needed to take a nap during the day and I didn't have a meeting, like, you bet your ass I did that. So it was really great for a long time. But then it it ebbs and flows. People in sales know how cyclical it feels. And so the pressure started to mount in Q4. And Eden was born in October. So I knew that if I wanted to avoid that Q4 madness, I would need to make a pivot. And I was already feeling like I had really outgrown the sales arena. And so ironically, one of my clients, also cybersecurity, was like, hey, we're hiring. And it was in marketing, and that's where I really wanted to spread my wings. So I took it. And they were gracious. Before I took the job, I really wanted to understand the line of leadership. And we've talked about this before, but my direct boss, her boss, her boss, the CMO, and then the CEO were all women and also mothers. And I was like, oh my God, we're going to be in this like great environment with working women. Like it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. So I joined that organization in August. So I had two months of work with them before maternity leave. Before I said yes, my boss was like, let me just make sure you would even qualify for maternity leave. Like we want to make sure that you're not making a bad decision just because of this timing. So anyway, turns out I'd qualify for maternity leave, all that. So I spent two months with the organization. And then it was time to give birth to Eden, four months of paid leave, really generous. But of course, like you and I've talked about that beautiful postpartum, like fourth trimester, it's taxing, but it's also so glorious in a lot of ways. And once you're in that, in the thick of it, I was like, no. I don't want to go back to work. I can't imagine. And I remember calling you, talking to Hunter, even calling my boss and being like, I don't know, man. I can't see myself doing it. Like, I want to be a full-time mom. And what's even crazier is, and I tend to do this a lot, but when I'm feeling something really heavy, I go to Instagram and I either make a story or kind of like a blog post looking thing which I call deep thoughts. And so you can go and find that in my deep thoughts highlight on Instagram, the one about postpartum, which was an open letter to all mothers that had gone before me of like, I'm so sorry, because I undermined the connection, what it felt, the transformation, all the things you can't really understand until you cross the over the boundary of becoming a mother. And I just remember thinking like, stay at home moms are just lazy, Mm -hmm. how boring it must be. Like, don't you want to be a working woman and be, you know, independent? So this was an open letter calling myself out, apologizing like to all the women that went before me and also like recognizing how difficult, I was talking about going back to work from home. Yeah. I couldn't imagine going back to work in a corporate office where like my boss, she said that when she was three weeks or three months postpartum, she had to go back to her office job, an hour commute both ways, pumping in the car. Like I can't imagine 
the women who had to do that and what that felt like. April. Yeah, that's my story. You know how we were like kind of freaked out about other people, especially just like randos holding our baby, even at like three or four months postpartum. Can you fathom what it must be like for some women to have to drop their babies off five days a week at a daycare center when their babies are just a few months old? I cannot. Yeah. So let's talk about that because when you're a new mom, there's some decisioning that has to happen with, okay, obviously if you were working before baby, you've got to figure that out. You either go back to work or you have a work from home job, you get a nanny, you do the daycare thing, or you stay at and home. And your husband works so, and supports the whole family right. or your spouse. Right. Or your, 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 your spouse. So... For me and you, I think we both agreed that the daycare scene just wasn't going to fit no way. in any way, shape, or form. And thankfully, I work from home, so it didn't have to be a real consideration. Although, I will say, late-stage pregnancy, I was going all around town checking out daycares. Wow. Because before I had the baby, this is just what culture, yep. our society does. Yep. And I never thought twice about it. And then, I remember, I live in a very big neighborhood. So big, in fact, that they have a daycare in the front of our neighborhood. Wow. So I was like, oh, Hunter, this is so convenient. Like, we'll just drop them right off here. It'll take four minutes. (sighs) Hunter and I went when I was like, I don't know, nine months pregnant. (laughs) This place was a hard no. I'm scared to find out Um, why. So some of the observations I made, and this is not to cast judgment on my community (laughs) because they're trying their best, but for me, the standard, mm mm-mm. So... There were about eight babies in the zero to six months, zero to a year room to two caregivers. And while we were doing our tour, one of the caregivers was talking to us while one of the other caregivers was holding a baby. And then the rest were kind of just like plopped on the floor, plopped on a boppy, plopped in a bed, like a crib. And I remember watching one baby like, you know, when you're on a boppy that young, you're trying to do tummy mm-hmm. time, you know? So he's belly down on the boppy and just drooling mm. all over the boppy, like mouth on the boppy, right? Just what yeah. babies do. Totally fine if it's your baby and your boppy in your yeah. house. Then I watched the caregiver pick up that baby because that baby started to cry, put another baby right in that baby's place. And then that baby mouth the same spot of the boppy. And I was like, no. <laughs> They're drinking each other's germs. And then, Kat, I look up, and there's like a big fan circulating. Like, not like a ceiling fan, but like a corner fan. And thick fur. No. Like, thick dust fur. And I was like, And also with your cleanliness Mm -mm. standards, which are above and beyond, like, the (laughs) Ritz-Carlton room service (laughs) department, I can't imagine. I think, like, that's where they had you, is with that thick fur being blown by the fan. I was like, nope, nope. And then they were talking about, like, I was like, well, I really want to breastfeed. Like, how does that work? And, oh, you just bring the bottle, and you drop it off, and... We have times where we do it very scheduled, which I appreciate they have to do that in an environment like that. But for me, it just wasn't going to fly. Yeah, so. I th- no for daycare. me too, it, like a couple things were like red flags for me. And it, like my, you know, my visceral reaction was nope, like 
we cannot be outsourcing full time, especially like outside of the house. I can't have a new my newborn baby out of my sight for that long. Um, mm-hmm. I think a few things for me was the ratio of babies to daycare workers. It just seemed overwhelming and unnatural. And I'm so anti-scheduling and tracking and so pro following the baby's cues that knowing that a stranger is following some arbitrary schedule to feed and change the baby or mm-hmm. hold the baby, that went against my re- reaction too. So, so well, yes. One other thing that just I felt was really important to think through is okay, I have a daughter, so this might feel a little different, but maybe not. But in this day and age, like people are yep. creeps. And there's all that, remember all that stuff with Balenciaga mm-hmm. and all the weird, I'm just like, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. And so I was very protective of protecting her nether region as a young girl in her, in her private areas. And so much so that Hunter and I made the agreement that no men at all period not my dad not our brother-in-law not uncles whatever like no men will be responsible for changing eden except for dad i think that's fine and and really the first few months of her life like seven months of her life it's just me and dad yeah like nobody's changing the diaper because I don't, not because I don't trust everyone, but because I don't want to give anybody the, even the opportunity. Yep. Like I just don't even want it to be a chance. And so the idea of having a four month old baby going out for eight hours or six hours a day to a daycare with random people accessing her privates, I was just like, Dude, I it's can't. It's a no for me, dog. Do it's it. really a no for me. And I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a boy mom, okay? And I would be even more dubious of strangers mm-hmm. if I had a girl. Mm-hmm. But I'm equally concerned with boys because mm-hmm. there's freaks out there, both men and women. You don't know. You don't know. Mm-mm. And guess what? I don't want to find out the hard way or not at all because babies can't communicate. So for all transparency, we just fast forward to right now. My son is almost 14 mm-hmm. months old. We actually have a sitter here right now. We just had someone start to come. She's wonderful. And at some point, right, like, and it, this is going to be up to every mom and dad, you have to you don't have to but I think it's nice to let the guard down a little bit especially if it's in your own home yeah you at some point have to trust a little bit or you're just gonna go crazy and live in a bubble so everyone has their own threshold for April and me it's like we're not gonna do the daycare thing for like the first year at least Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. but I do love having the sitter come to the home just for like three hours at a time for the purpose of like yeah when Eric's working so that you and I don't have to record like at 10 p.m., it is nice to get the undivided attention. And that ties into like everything has a cost and a benefit, right? There's a cost to being a full-time stay-at-home mom and many benefits. And there's lots of benefits to your position, right, of being able to stay at home and work full-time. But we've talked about some of the costs with that as well. Should we go into the cost-benefit mm-hmm. analysis with each yeah, I think we should. I'm just wondering how we lay this yes. out because I want to let listeners know I, I did go back to work despite really ugh, grueling. And so my scenario is that I have a full-time nanny come throughout the work week. Hunter and I both work from home. So just to set that stage, that's where we are today. Yes. So 
April, with that, what would you say are the top two perks of your current working from home mom situation? And what are the top two things like you wish for the most that you're not able to have today because of your situation? Mm. Okay, top two things. Luz, our nanny is a gift from heaven. Straight a up. godsend. <laughs> and it, it, she is a godsend and it took several really shitty interviews to find her. But then when we found her, she came over amazing. So a perk I love is being able to hand it over to somebody that I fully trust, but is so present, so mature, is a grandmother. So she's had her kids, her own grandbabies. She has two granddaughters as well. So she's Colombian. So we have that bilingual like Eden's learning Spanish as as often as she's learning English. But to one of the true perks is like witnessing somebody else consistently love your child the way that you know they deserve to be loved versus some of the nannies that we, nannies, Mm. um, some of them are still teenagers. Like some of the caregivers are young. They're just there to pick up the paycheck. They're on their phone. They think that, being a, a nanny means putting your baby in front of a screen. Like there's no screens ever, no TV, no iPhones, whatever. So short and sweet, having somebody very present, love her and educate her. Like she, a lot of really fun games. That's perk number one. Perk number two is she doesn't just watch Eden. So... She will come. I, I still make the meals, um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Hunter helps out occasionally. She will come behind meals as if we were never there, like cleaning all the mess up. So that's luxury, a and then <laughs> luxury perk. That. And then what makes her like worth her weight in gold is laundry. Uh huh. Oh my God. I mean, seriously, we do pay the upper premium for for her care, but keeping the laundry machine just like constantly cycling, folding things, like, ugh, it's a perk. Yes. (laughs) Now, let's do your perks and then we'll talk about the downfalls. Okay, fair. So, I mean, I think that like the most obvious perk especially if you don't want to return in any capacity to corporate life, is not returning back to corporate life. Like that is the most obvious perk of being a stay-at-home mom. And April, I know that we've talked about how this is on your radar for the near future. Like we are working towards this goal. Am I allowed to say that on the record? Absolutely. Uh, yeah it's It's not a secret right okay I know that we like to be totally uncensored here we're anti-censorship so and I'll 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 definitely share some things that I've been struggling with too but I mean um I do not take for granted how lucky we are in our situation and I don't believe in luck just like miracles are happening randomly I really do believe that people manifest what they want eventually and they work towards their goals in April I know that this is going to be something that you are going to be manifesting in the near future too because I see it for you so yeah the number one goal is I get to full-time focus on Julian now that said 
because you have to you have no, no, no. to 100 yes full-time. yes exactly so it's it's not a blessing and a curse because i mean curse is like has such a negative connotation it's 100 a blessing because this is what i wanted so i want to first i feel like i need to set the stage and say this in our culture it's so normal and i get it it's like it's one of those conversation starters like is your baby sleeping through the night yet where we just can't help ourselves but to ask oh so are you going to return to work soon as if being a stay-at-home mom by choice is not a viable option like that's not acceptable so crazy Mm -hmm. as it may sound to some people out there listening especially because i do have a great four-year degree from a great university and i was in the workforce for a decade yes in this season of life i am a stay-at-home mom by choice i understand that many moms don't have the choice so they're staying at home because they have to they can't afford childcare. but i really wanted to be there with julian And in all honesty, I was really burnt out at my job. And it was kind of a good like stopping Mm -hmm. point for me to take a pause from that. And then in my dream situation, and you guys, I don't want to give too much away, but we're going to be working on some special things behind the scenes at Moms Off the Record that will allow us to continue staying at home with our babies while also providing value to you. Yes. So... That is what we have on the docket. Mm-hmm. I think the other biggest perk would be witnessing milestones firsthand, like really being a part of those milestones and also making it like my full-time hobby and passion to do all the proactive research, like elimination communication, baby-led yeah. weaning, um, speech and communication mm-hmm. too, doing a great program called Talkative Toddlers. And I know you're doing a great one as well, Raising Little Talkers. So being yeah. able to full-time do that, like during naps, for example, so that I'm constantly being proactive. And no, I'm not doing it because I feel an obligation to. I'm doing it because I think it's fun and interesting. You know? Yeah. Because one time someone asked me like, And it's what's best for your child. Yeah, someone's like, oh, like, are you doing that because like you think you should? It's like, no, because I want to. Like, why would I want to be in the dark? But also, yes, (laughs) we should be proactive to make good decisions for our children. Oh God, people are so crazy. I know, so like so backwards. Okay, now going back to you. What are some of the downfalls of your current setup? Mm. Okay, so I'm going to say this as a preface, and then I won't say it again. Like, I recognize my blessing, which is that I get to work full-time from home. And before the last workforce reduction, I had a lot of flexibility in in my workday. So I will say that I have almost, like, the best of both worlds. Because to your point, I haven't missed out on any milestones because I got to be as present as I want to with, well, I shouldn't say as I want to, as I could be throughout my workday. So I haven't missed any milestones, which is also such a blessing. But some of the drawbacks is fighting your your nature. So for me, that inertia of just pregnancy, birth, Eden's here, those four beautiful uninterrupted months of motherhood, like that was really hard to just fight and combat in the moment and be like, okay, just go back to your professional brain. For me, I know my brain chemistry has been rewired. And so the pursuit of the corporate dream doesn't do a damn thing for me anymore. Like that used to be my dangling carrot and now I don't give a shit. So it's, it's like trying to minimize that part of you that feels so powerful 
and that calling to be present with your child despite work meetings, that's really hard to fight. And in the very beginning of this job, like I had really supportive women around me saying it's okay. And like, for example, we've talked about this. I told my boss, like, hey, I appreciate the opportunity, but now that my daughter's here, like she comes first. And so if there's an important meeting and I hear her crying, I have no issue turning off my camera, muting my voice and going straight up to her. And that's the decision tree. It will always be baby. And they were fully supportive of that. So I got to breastfeed her. I still breastfeed her on demand throughout the day. It's awesome. I get to, you know, with the baby led weaning, the challenge is there's not a lot of time in the day when you're already working and trying to be present to do that research. I didn't let that stop me, of course. And thanks to your help, I, I discovered the baby led weaning and we're doing the EC and all that. So I made time. I prioritized that, but it's hard. And then with the moms off the record, we're trying to get this thing off the ground. Like it is so hard. We were working into midnight yeah. daily. And I, I know that's not sustainable, but I felt like I couldn't give any of these priorities up. Yep. And you are right? such a perfectionist too. And I just want to say like, even though I brought like baby led weaning to your attention, you took it and ran with it. You guys, The other day, April was having a really tough day. Like, I just have to call it this example. (laughs) And when you left me that audio note where you were just like, I am having a total meltdown, like nothing was going right. And I told you, and you're like, I didn't even do a a grocery run. And I was thinking to myself like, oh, that's so relatable. Like, I know what it's like when I don't do a grocery run. We just order takeout, even though it's not the healthiest. I said, listen, just take it easy. You know, just get get yourself some takeout. It's okay. She tells me they go to Whole Foods, pick up crab legs. She's making crab legs and mushroom risotto. This is the example of like you go the extra mile, right? So like even when it's hard, you're still going to figure it out, which is cool. And I think that's a good reminder. Like you have to pick your heart. It's going to be hard whether you're staying Mm -hmm. at home full time, whether you're working full time, doing a hybrid. Like um, we know that moms do a lot, like we're juggling a lot. So just Mm. know what your own boundaries are like what is your threshold and know that like really the sky's the limit depending on what you care to invest in or nothing at all like you don't have to do any of this that's the point yeah but I remember too so like we talk about this struggle of me spinning the plates of motherhood and moms off the record and all the baby things and work It's the same, but different for you. Like, I remember you've called me at your wit's end earlier Mm -hmm. on of like, I can't do this. Like I, we, and we talked about it. We called it the silent load of motherhood, which is like, I've got to keep the the laundry turning. I've got to keep the dishes clean. I've got to create three beautiful meals, the best I can, baby led weaning friendly meals. I've got to clean the house. And how? Like when you've got a baby literally under your arm. So when we talk about the challenge of motherhood, like you said, pick your heart. It's, I felt for you in those moments, I was like, damn, I, I made the easier choice because I get to hand Eden over for a couple of hours while I work. And then I can stop that meeting and go, you know, make the meal. Yes. And so I, We've talked about this a lot, which is like you were in the throes of it too, and you were waving your white flag, yes. and and now <laughs> here I am doing the same thing. Yeah. So it's like 
either decision you make, whatever's best for your family, like you said, pick your heart, there's going to be, it's going to be hard regardless. Yes. Like there's no easy and way unless you're a millionaire. Truly, unless and you can hire out all oh, yeah. the help. Like if you're a millionaire, <laughs> right, you'd have a private chef, you'd have a full-time nanny yeah. that would travel with you on vacation. So the thing is reflecting back, like the times when I was reaching out to you at my wits end and I was like, I can't do this. It was 100% the times where I was trying to take on everything at once and give it my all, which is when I would feel like I'm hitting a wall. And this is such a good reminder yes. for all moms, but especially like if you're the full-time stay-at-home mom, right? And you have your 20-pound baby in your right arm, you're trying to do three loads of laundry and cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, just stop trying to do everything. So now I just want to say I have lowered my standards a lot mm. and my I've lowered my expectations and my standards and lowered them again. That might sound like kind of like, oh, bummer, she's lowered her standards. But let me tell you how liberating it is. So I used to try to like make sure the high chair and the floor underneath the high chair was spick and span, perfectly clean after every single meal. The truth is, like, as disgusting as this may sound to some people, like April. Like to April, me. <laughs> some days when we have a lot of stuff going on, right, I'm just juggling, like, I'm wearing 20 different hats. The high chair isn't going to get clean for an hour. And instead of beating myself up over that, we're just like, whatever, it's one of those days and we move on. So every three months, I will say, like, you know, the zero to three month stage, three to six months has something that gets easier for moms and babies and something that gets way harder. So obviously, yeah. But isn't it awesome that it's built yes. that way? I just want to like take a moment for me, thank my creator, because imagine if it wasn't right adaptive like right that. like if it wasn't like a step chain we would be so much more overwhelmed yeah. so I'm thankful that it gives you an opportunity to like build a muscle and flex a muscle before a new muscle is demanded yes and so I completely agree like there's always going to be something different that you get to look forward to and then something that you that will be more challenging inevitably that you can prepare yourself for so so much of that stay-at-home mom mentality thing it is a constant juggling act it's balancing but it's also a mindset so for example example like starting at around nine months when Julian was pre-standing unassisted but like trying to get there um every single day where I was like okay now we have to move all the plates and bowls because he's gonna reach them and just he's gonna put them on the ground and I would start to be like ah like we're we're in a rush we have to leave for an appointment but I have to quickly move all these plates and bowls and hide them somewhere so the biggest tip is knowing that everything's going to take longer. Instead of getting so frustrated over it and trying to rush, you need to have smaller to-do lists that are more intentional and you need to slow down. For example, I know things will take longer when I'm at the grocery store food shopping with Julian and that's okay. The mindset mm -hmm. should, should be like, instead of trying to rush in and rush out as if we're living in New York City and we're single, it should be like, you know what? Let's make this a learning opportunity and let's make it fun. I want to show Julian yes. everything in the grocery store. And instead of 45 minutes, maybe it takes an hour and a half, but knowing that you have to slow down your to-do, by the way, as a stay-at-home mom, and I only have one kid, my to-do list 
is never fully complete at the end of the day. And that's something I had to let go of. I used to be so efficient mm-hmm. and productive. This season in life is not about how efficient and productive you can be. So you need to get that out of your head. It is how present mm-hmm. and engaged can you be. Once I made that mindset shift, and it took me a few months, by the way, of hitting the wall, it mm. was game changing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's like recalibrating on the priority, which is your baby and his development. Yes. And sometimes that means mm-hmm. the dinners are going to be boring and simple, but nobody mm-hmm. else cares. Everybody's grateful. Oh, wow. It's just like, you know, some simple sheet pan chicken and potatoes and a side salad, you know, because sometimes that's all you have the energy for. But with that stay-at-home mom life, there mm. isn't, I will say this, when you do need a quote break, there isn't anyone to just hand Julian off to because Eric is in meetings back-to-back full-time. Our closest family is currently an hour and a half to two hours away. So we just got this daytime sitter for like three hours at a time, one to two days a week. That time does fly by, but it is great for recording uninterrupted. But before that, it's like when your baby's up, you know, you're up, you're going to have 15 to 16 hour days. And if your baby, like sometimes Julian would only want to fall asleep in the stroller, well, then your break is taking a hot and sweaty stroller walk outside. So by no means am I complaining because I have it very good and I know that and I asked for this life, but your lifestyle completely transforms. There is no, I'm going to spontaneously mm-hmm. like sneak out and get my hair done or this or that. It The haircuts happen Mm. once every six months. It's very carefully thought out and pre-planned. There's not a lot of of spontaneity. But one other huge perk of the stay-at-home mom life is you don't need to request vacation time. So we've done a ton of travel as a family. You know, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, Sweden, Italy. Yeah, the summer of travel. Yes, the summer of travel. We didn't have to request off vacation time. So that's a perk. But you do need to take care of yourself and your your nutrition because it it is a marathon, So I will say that, right? The pros and the cons. Now, going back to you, April, would you say there's anything else? Because obviously you actually have kind of the perfect situation for moms who want to continue working and they want to stay at home with their babies. And you make a good living doing it and you have a lot of flexibility. So are there... Right, you did. You did, not now. Up until recently. Right, because there's been a lot of internal workforce changes. So... Let's talk about that. Before, when you had your flexibility versus now, what are some things you're seeing in hindsight that were like, wow, I didn't even realize I had it that good with my work? Yeah, so there was two of us doing the, the division of our business. And so we carried the weight well. We had our meetings. But if the job was done... Like, I wasn't bound to a particular, like, I got to shut my computer and open it at a particular time. It's like, you got to be available for your meetings. You got to get your job done. And if you get it done in a shorter amount of time, good for you. And there was not this oversight of, oh, have you been online in 25 minutes? Mm -hmm. So I would do a Whole Foods run, and our Whole Foods is 50 minutes away. And I would do a baby-led weaning dinner for that day. Like, I just, I, I could run upstairs, nurse eat in, I could feed her all of her meals, you know, play with her sometimes. It was so great. And I will say it took a little while of really releasing the reins for Luz because when she first started, I told her, I don't want to be doing Mm. this. I don't, I don't love that I need to have your support here. I just want to be doing full-time mom. And she was like, I get it, you know, and she, 
she didn't try to insert herself or demand. It was very gentle. And over time, I just saw how excited Eden was to see her. So that part became a lot easier. And like I said, I trust her wholeheartedly. So, And she's on board with all the things. Like at first, she was like, this baby led weaning stuff seems dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, you know, I don't like that. I don't like that this baby is eating these whole foods and I'm like don't worry let me let me share what I learned and so now she loves it and EC right I told her about this she was on board with that so there's not that silent judgment that you think your nanny has against you we have such a great relationship on the other side of it though now Eden's super mobile she's walking she's trying to talk she is talking Um, She's just at that stage where I don't want to miss a second Mm -hmm. of it. And I'm in this stage after two workforce reductions doing the job of two people. I don't have those breaks in the day to do the Whole Foods run or to go up and play with her like I did. I still nurse her, thank God. So I recognize that. So, So two things I wanted to make mention because you said that you had to lower your standard a little bit. a lot of it. (laughs) Motherhood has been a lesson in surrender. And for type A control freaks like us, um, that's really hard to be met with. And there's a book called The Inner Work, and it talks about your childhood trauma. And I think you and I, I don't know about you, but for me, I I have the wound of Mm -hmm. overwhelm. And the way this shows up is that I have to be the one to do it. I have to say yes to all of it because I don't want to let anyone down. And I also want to be free to cry about it (laughs) when I'm overwhelmed. So when I've worked myself into this chaos, I want to also be able to cry and complain about it. And so motherhood, working, all the baby stuff that we proactively research, mom's off the record. I started ministering a middle school group at church. I just really bit off way too much. And I am afraid to say, can't do it. Or Hunter would say, how can I help you? And I would be irritated that you would even (laughs) ask me that. How nice it must be that you get to ask me how to it's help. Like, just figure out how. <laughs> Don't ask me. Just yeah. step in. Look around. There's so much yeah. to help with. So, right. So I, I say that laughing but also serious in that we have to learn to be okay to ask for help. We need to trust the partners that we've chosen to be parents as well. And they might not do it the way that you want it to be done, but that's okay. Yes. Because they have they have different gifts. Yes. And if the quality needs to drop, so what? Yeah. No one's like, in danger. If we both share the right, if we both share the commitment, which is doing the very best we know how to do for Eden, I'm gonna trust that your version of that is gonna be pretty good. Yes. So that's a lesson. Now, let me ask you this, April. So thinking about our theme, stay at home versus working mom. I want to know, in your in your perfect world, if I could wave a ma- sales talk, if I could wave a magic wand right now and give you your ideal situation for like the working mom life, what would that look like today for you? Not mm-hmm. working. And why? Like, let's so, dig into that. So, so the yeah, the bit I wanted to also mention that I didn't at the end of my other little rant was if you're not yet a mother, you're pregnant or you're planning – and you're a working gal, 
think, give it some thought of what you want motherhood to look like in that first year. Yeah. Just kind of know that your chemistry is going to change quite a bit, and you're probably going to feel really compelled to stay super connected to your baby, and that's biologically super important for a lot of reasons we've already talked about on this podcast. So think about your lifestyle today and what you want your motherhood journey to feel like. Is your lifestyle conducive to support that journey? That's a great point. Because... I have gotten to a place in my life where Hunter and I have amassed this lifestyle that makes it impossible for me to just command quit. Mm. (laughs) You know, like we can't just abort mission because I've got to hold up my end of the deal. And the things that I used to crave and want and strive for, like a nice big home and a better car and you know, cute clothes from free people every weekend and all the things that I am in this you know, consumer mode are now shackles. Mm-hmm. And that sucks because now I'm reckoning with my decisions impacting my goal of just wanting to be with her all the time right now. And I can't say yes to that drive because of all the shit I've accumulated and all the bills I got to pay. I think it's great that you are so forthcoming with that. And, you know, this, by the way, listeners, this is coming from two very perfectionist, driven, ambitious career-wise, you know, type A personality moms. Mm. Like, I had every intention before I got pregnant of returning to work after 12 weeks of leave. And I can't really fathom what that's like right now. And in my 20s, by the way, when I was living in, well, my 20s, I was in New York City and briefly Portland, Oregon. And then my last year of my 20s, I was living in Austin. So all big cities, all pretty expensive, particularly New York City. And when motherhood Mm. was like kind of like a, a distant pipe dream at that time, I was spending most of my Um, disposable income after putting in investments and 401k it was being spent on very expensive dinners out on I mean multiple times a week very expensive luxurious facials micro needling some mid-range designer clothing and it's funny it's like just like what you said April once you become a mom and especially if you're into attachment parenting none of that matters My self-care routine, first of all, my idea of self-care isn't even like, let me get all these expensive facials and spa treatments. But my self-care routine is so simple. It's just a few minutes long. Take a shower every third day. Oh my gosh, especially in the throes of postpartum. It's like you're lucky if you take a shower twice a week. Now I'm like, I I aim for every other day. Unless I'm like really getting out there and sweaty, I'm happy with an every other day shower. Sorry if that's not enough for some people listening. Don't judge me. But Mm -hmm. look, if I'm doing CrossFit every day, sure, I'll do a daily shower but that's neither here nor there but I want to say too like we are so blessed in this age right in 2023 where your only career options aren't just like secretary nurse you know what I mean how it was decades ago there are so many creative options for like so start thinking about it now moms if you want to be at home with your babies it doesn't have to be so black and white you don't have to be the lame st- the trope of the stay at home mom who like has no hobbies and is like eating bonbons on the couch first of all that's such a joke because i don't know about you but yeah, yeah when first of all like before i got pregnant i i was one of those women too who judged the stay at home mom and i thought like oh lazy, 
freeloader. You just want to watch, yeah, boring. boring. You have no interest. That poor uh-huh. husband. Like, oh, you're making him work to support both of you. Like, oh, what a burden. And also mm-hmm. like, oh, what a waste of your degree and your education. And like, oh, I bet you watch like cartoons all day with your kid. Let me tell you, the pressure in other words, even if it's externalized, is higher on the stay-at-home mom to achieve even more for the child and in the household because she's not working. Yeah, that's like your success metric is your child. So it's like, Uh well, what are you doing all day then? Why isn't your child so ahead or doing all these things if you're with him all day long every day? And then why isn't the laundry done and the cooking? And by the way, I'm not saying this as like, That is what my husband's telling me. It's the opposite. He's beyond supportive. He'll help out with whatever when he can. And yeah, sometimes he does, like most men, he's going to need that guidance and direction of how can I help, babe, right? We do have to point them in the right direction. It's just how most men are. However, which, which is so true, but... Once they know, like generally speaking, what to help out with, then they're like, okay, they're going to get the job done. But here's the thing is that pressure, because I'm type A and I've had a career my whole life, high school, college, I I had jobs. I got my first job three weeks after graduating from college, right? So I've never not been working in my teenage or adult life. I've always had jobs. This is my first time when I turned 32 years old of this is my job is not working for an employer but being a mom and I myself was the only person who put the pressure on myself I have to show everyone around me I'm going the extra mile otherwise they're gonna be Mm -hmm. like why don't why don't you work right but also Mm -hmm. as a stay-at-home mom especially if you're into attachment parenting not only do you not have time to sit around and watch tv you're not gonna want to because that's how you miss out on those key moments with your baby yeah, absolutely. I think there's a couple of things we need to to think about from a stay-at-home mom perspective is learning how to and I don't even like I don't even like saying a stay-at-home mom. I know. Because that also just is language that I feel like kind of underestimates the workload. So it's like you're a full-time mom. Yes. Let's call it that. You're a full-time mom versus a full-time corporate mom. (laughs) Right? So, uh, mothers, your value does not have to be tied to some business's value. It is not. So, the point I wanted to make is that in a corporate setting, you are always replaceable. And I can say that confidently because I've survived three workforce reductions in one year. So people are disposable. Jobs can be replaced. There are tons of people waiting to fill your spot. And you can look back at your entire career and say, yeah, I worked for 50-some years. How great was that? Or as a mother, you're not replaceable. Yep. You're the only, the one and only mom. And this time is so fucking fleeting. And you can't get this time back. So then at the other end of this job, your full-time mom job, you can look back and say, I invested 50 years of my life into that child and look, 
that look at what they're contributing and what their life looks like. There's a lot of visible reward reflected back to you versus being a corporate woman for 50 something years. It's like, I can't remember some, some cool thing, like being in sales, you know how this was, you like make your winner circle or your president club or your Eagle achievement. It's like, that was a really great year. This is the thing I work all year for. And now in reflection, I'm like, I don't remember what fucking year that was. I don't care. Like, what did that do for me? Oh yeah. So rewriting and reframing the narrative in this culture today it's like the stay-at-home mom is lowly and homely and then the the boss babe is really cool and it's like we really need to flip that and tune into our nature which is compelling us to be with our children and finding the value in that by investing into something that you can reap the reward of versus what you can reap the reward of working corporate by buying more things great yeah, you know? more gadgets that your baby's just going to lose, you know, or tear apart. Yeah. I mean, or just things that are going to shackle you later to this lifestyle that maybe you want to cool off on, you know? Yep. I think that's such a so. good point. And it's funny you mentioned that I just came across one of my old CrowdStrike awards, one of those like glass awards. You got C- crystal awards. Yeah, the crystal ones. You got CAE of the quarter. And it, it was so old. It even had my maiden name on it. And it was just like collecting dust. And the reason it's funny is because, and it made me think of it, is that meant so much to me. And that was such a strong tie to my value and self-worth yes. as what am I contributing mm-hmm. to society, right? Because they have the corporate world has you indoctrinated to believe that, especially in sales, the more money especially. you bring for the company the more valuable and worthy you are, right? That's a very dangerous mm-hmm. place to be in. Like the only time yeah, you're valuable because look is at the money. Right. The converse of that is true. And if you've been in sales long enough, you've you've had your high days, you've had your low days. Oh, yeah. So you're all in the lights when it's high and great. And then when it's not, it's like, oh, it's time for a performance plan. What's going on with your mindset? Doesn't <laughs> seem like you're in this anymore. It's like, whoa, I just need a little bit of a break. Yep. You know? No, so. Knowing that like like you said, the the woman, the the mom, the wife is irreplaceable in the home. Knowing that regardless of what kind of a day you have, your baby is going to love you unconditionally and vice versa, that to me is priceless. You can't put a monetary mm-hmm. figure on that. Um, and so Mm-mm. it's years of indoctrination of living in, I'm going to call it living in big cities, right? Like New York City or Atlanta, Portland, Austin, you name it. I've been there. So years of living in big cities, working for these, you know, big tech corporations. And they have the man. the man. They have you believing that you need to rush back into work or you're a nobody. You're useless. The truth is, moms, that is not true. And, you know, a stay at home mom isn't someone to be looked down upon. And a working mom isn't someone to be no. looked down upon. But I will say this it probably is more in our feminine nature to be at home with our babies. In April, you're already one big step ahead because you're able to work from home. You don't have to go to an office. And I've seen how Mm. present you are for Eden's milestones. So moms, 
start to get creative, start to find ways where you can reduce your expenses, find ways where maybe you can still apply what you're currently doing, but in a work from home capacity. That's probably going to be your first step if you are having to go out of the office. I know, for example, Mm -hmm. I know of child behavior therapists or speech and language pathologists who are starting telehealth aspects of their business, right? So, and they're bringing their babies with them. They're able to work from home. So if that's important to you, and that's where your values align, then you're going to need to get creative, think a little bit outside Mm -hmm. of the box so that you can be at home because we know that the first, especially the first three years of a child's development are the most important. Right, April? Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's, you won't regret spending that time, but you will, you probably would regret missing out on that time. So, and I think the last thing I'll say too, to that point is, you know, you're, you're going to choose what's best for you, but there's really, it's really hard to shake the crystal ball and be like, oh yeah, that's going to be me. I'm going to want to be the working mom. Hats off to you if that's true. But for me, understanding how the brain, if we wanted to go into a research rabbit hole about the woman's brain during pregnancy and postpartum, fascinating. But your brain chemistry does shift and it is to be more nurturing, to be more present. And so... I've recognized that in my professional world as well, which is like I've been in corporate, I've been in tech, I've been in sales and marketing. And now I'm like, hmm, how can I get out of this into being more into care work? Mm -hmm. Like maybe it's in the doula world or midwifery or not for me, but nursing for some, like that nurturing, caring. It's just kind of crazy how that feels to me like a better fit despite having a what 12 plus year career in tech and marketing and sales so and it couldn't be more pretty wild yes and even though in sales you know you're consultative and one could equate being consultative with being caring being a caregiver is truly so selfless right and I feel like that's so Mm -hmm. much more aligned with your values you know and your mindset right now and being a mom that selfless caretaker it's, it's a wild mm-hmm. shift. So that just goes to show you don't have to put all your eggs in one career basket, right? And label yourself. And we have to remember too, it doesn't really matter so much for some people what your career is because you could want to do something completely different in 10 years anyway. So just learning to mm-hmm. go with the flow of that, right? And not I am mm-hmm. this and I have to be this the rest of my life and I have to go back to work at this time. It's well, maybe you don't mm-hmm. have to. Maybe there's another solution, Mm-hmm. And maybe being mom is enough. It definitely is enough. Not maybe. I'm going to tell you firsthand, it definitely is. And for all the people out there who keep asking me, I get it. It's a good conversation starter. When are you going back to work? The answer is never. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the answer yeah. is get new content. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Find new content. No. The answer is I have, <laughs> look, I'm going to be real with you. I have zero desire to return to a software sales job, to the tech space, to a corporate company. I definitely have the urge, and you hinted at this at the start of the episode, you and I both have the urge to do something creative and fun that's going to be serving our audience and serving women and mothers. That's it. That's really it. And so that is the eye on the prize that we currently have. We are working towards that goal so that we can help you all out, right, and provide the resources that we want to continue providing in a very meaningful way Mm -hmm. while being at home with our babies. We wouldn't Mm -hmm. want it any other way. That seems like the dream. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm almost a year in, and so I was postpartum four months when I returned back to work, so whatever that math is, eight months of working, and I'm like, get me out. Yeah, so actually, <laughs> get me out. April, so. curious, because I'm sure a lot of moms are feeling this way, and I know you've probably felt this way. Like, There's some days where you just feel like you're going to hit a wall, and you want to just literally you know, quit maybe, right? And it's too much and you just want to be at home. When you feel like you're having those days. A lot. A lot. How do you get through the day? How do you get through the week and just persevere? What do you tell yourself? Yeah, I, with your support too and and others, but it's just that reminder of how temporary it is. So yes, it's a job. It's super stressful, especially right now. It's a season. It's temporary. And nobody's life is in danger. The world well, the world is on fire, but if if not this, because of if you, my project's <laughs> on fire. Yeah, it's okay because you know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to close the machine and go take a walk. Or lately, I've been praying and listening to worship music, whatever it is to kind of reground me. But I'll just just reminding myself, I just am recalibrating on my priorities, and it's like Eden and Hunter, and then way down here is my job. And so it's like, okay, yeah, this sucks, but Eden's great. Eden's doing great. And she's, if, if she were suffering, that would really shake me up. But right now I get to witness her and she's thriving. So I've got my eyes on the prize to do this work in servitude for our audience. And I know you share that same goal. And... We're working on ways to minimize our lifestyle so that I can make the exit and not put the burden on my husband to try and pick up two for the price of one, you know? I agree. So. And then last last and final question before we wrap it up. Do we think it is old-fashioned or outdated for the man or our husband to temporarily support the whole family if he's able to so that mom can be full-time at home with baby? What do we think about that? Well, had you asked me a year ago, I would have said, yeah. What is this, like Little House on the Prairie? <laughs> but now, now I'm like, give me my prairie, okay? I'm, I'm like, ready. Let's go churn some fucking butter. Yep. Okay, you're like, not only do I want my little house, but I also want my prairie. I, right. I want the prairie. Right. Yeah. Ballerina farm all the it. way. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's funny, so. like, I think I used to be like scared to admit that out loud, especially because I still have so many long term friends from like, you know, my teenage years, like five, 10, 15 year long relate. Well, five isn't teenage, but these long term friendships, right, from bigger cities, L.A., New York, primarily some in Austin. And if they were to hear some of that stuff, I used to think, whoa, they're really going to judge me. I don't have the time or energy to care about like how other people perceive my desires. I am only one of two friends who has this lifestyle of stay at home mom by choice, Mm. meaning finances aren't dictating us staying at home. It's our desire to be at home. And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting, but Mm. it's hard to admit. I think the thing we have to remember, yeah, we need to show humility in this situation, which is why I did that open letter and it's on my highlights indefinitely as a reminder we have to stay humble and we also have to remember while you and I support the biological norm and leaning into our intuition and our nature and being attached to our children and their cues 
motherhood is like a dress. And like, I'm going to put this dress on and I'm going to feel amazing in it. And you put it on. I'm 5'10". You're 5'1". I'll be like, drowning it's not in it. do you any favors. <laughs> yeah. So we have to remember that motherhood is yes. so unique to our experiences, our perspectives, our current circumstances, all that stuff. So you might be that mom. Like I've got my former boss is on her third baby. She just came off of maternity leave with her third and she's excited to go back and more power to you. So we're, our situation is so unique to us. That is And we true. share a lot of similarities, right? But we have to be so humble and remember what fits us might not fit the next person. That but is true. But with that being said, we are at a culture war motherhood it's mom versus mom and i'm sick of seeing it work mom full-time stay-at-home mom breastfeeding mom formula mom. i'm so fucking over that and it's like we need to make sure that we're normalizing whatever version you want is okay but trust that nature don't yes. override it so if in the back of your head's like damn i really hate being at the office and i really want to go home that's okay because you're probably not the only one you know what i'm saying yes or conversely, you, who was a stay-at-home mom since the very beginning, and there were the days where you're like, get me out of here. <laughs> Maybe I should get a job. That's Maybe so I should, because yes. I was like, having a nanny's great, right? So yes. uh, just staying open and humble and realizing like what's happening in one point in time might not make sense. Like we're almost a year into this. We need to do a look back and see what we may have done differently. You know what I'm saying? We do need to do a look back. And so I agree. Okay, I agree with most of what you said. But because I know that you and I are so protective of the biological Mm -hmm. norms in our modern society, Mm -hmm. I do believe that the biological norm is for moms to be close to their babies and with their babies as much as possible after birth i don't think it's biologically normal to rush back to work i share that with you right and by the way that's why it's great that you're able to stay at home and that's why i'm i would just encourage moms who can if you can ask your boss hey can i actually do this job from home that's something you should absolutely consider Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. The biology is generally like, stay close. Yeah. So that was my point of like, from a cultural perspective, we really need to rewrite the playbook. Because yes. the expectation in our society is go back to work, put on your pencil suit. Like today is the day. Hey, Kat, look. Whoa, you're looking Sorry. good, okay. mama. Well, well, I was just showing you I hate this that I said say, mama, by the way. Is, I'm cringing at myself. <laughs> I know, mama. I'm 11 months postpartum. Am I? Yeah. Yes. And I just now put on my pre-pregnancy jeans today. So all, all of this is just kind of a silly illustration of like, we don't need to rush back into our workforce, no. our pre-pregnancy bodies, you know, all that. I'm just, I'm, I'm really ready to rewrite the whole script. Let's rewrite the script because I hate how people think postpartum, especially people who have never had kids, but people think postpartum is three months long. And I think that's so laughable. I'm postpartum. You're postpartum. Postpartum, Mm. I don't know if it it dwindles down, it changes, but I mean, it has to be at least a year. 
Right? Oh yeah, I met with a girlfriend yesterday, and she was in my she was in my closet shopping my closet because I'm like I'm ready to get rid of it all, and she was trying on some jeans, and she's she's got a six year old and a seven year old, and she's like my postpartum body. I'm like yeah, you're right, you do have a postpartum body because you have kids that makes you postpartum. Right. <laughs> There's no time frame on it. Like you're completely changed forever. So yeah, there's no bouncing back. And what are we trying to go back to? If we wanted kids so badly, which we do, then why are we trying to find our life before we had kids? It's so convoluted Mm. and confusing, right? Mm hmm. Mm, that's a topic for another day. That's isn't another it? episode, like friends. That's a whole episode. That's yes. another one. Yes. But I think we covered everything. Right? Yeah. We probably should have offered some tips. <laughs> like, well, why don't um, we end with some positive tips? If you are tips. having to, yeah. If you're interviewing for a nanny, I can speak to this perspective. Yes. It's not, it, we went through care.com. <clears throat> It's not a situation where you should have one interview and then say yes or no. Well, you can say no immediately, but to say yes, I think you need to afford yourself the time and the potential caregiver's time and opportunity to meet your baby, to, to observe how they interact, and ask some tough questions, like philosophical questions. When I went through four interviews I had told Hunter I was like okay fine if I have to go back to work we have to find somebody who's a perfect fit and if I do it and I can't then that's a sign from God that I'm not meant to go back so I was really hoping that I wouldn't find anyone right (laughs) (laughs) but anyway we interviewed some of the phone screens those questions are like hey what's your approach to being a nanny what does that mean to you describe to me what a eight hour shift might look like for you if you've got that experience and how would you respond in situational context here right but then after that if they pass that first pass okay come to my home because this is my space and I want to see what you bring to my space and what the energy is like and how you interact with the baby, right? And I remember we invited Luz and she stayed for two hours of just discussion, making sure that she was aligned. Because I told her, I was like, look, I'm unconventional in today's world. I like to wear my baby. We sleep in the same bed. I'm nursing on demand. She doesn't take a bottle. I don't believe in medicine. Like I, I feel like that needs to be our no, new B roll for the for the podcast. Right? Like, Listen, I am unconventional. Like, right, but that's what I'm saying is don't hide all of those things if you don't want. I didn't want to be judged behind my right. back of like the decision. So if you're not cool with that, we're not a great fit, and that's okay. So. I think that's that's enough. Those are great tips. You brought up some things I hadn't considered, like the multi-interview process. But let me run some other ideas by you. What do you think about asking them questions like, "Do you wear any fragrance? You know, are you a smoker? Do you Mm -hmm. have pets? How much of your iPhone will you be using around my child, and in what purpose?" Yeah, I didn't ask the iPhone question because I don't want somebody to feel like they have to give me the answer I want to hear. Mm, So I just wanted to observe how attached she was to her phone, which was not at all. And even in the very first couple of weeks, she keeps her phone in her bag downstairs all day. So she doesn't even have it, which I love. 
I don't really care so much about the fragrance and stuff. She's very posh, and I don't want to take that away from her. So that wasn't a big factor for me, but I know that might be for people who are a little more sensitive to that. Me. <laughs> yeah. um, now, some other so, things. Mm. Did you stalk? Because I like to stalk on social media if I'm interviewing someone. Did you look online? No, background I didn't. Checks? I didn't look at her present now she she brought a background check because she had okay good for somebody else and she also brought her like she had this whole little file for me and it had her cpr certification and all that so i didn't ask for that but that those are those are the things you want to like in in a dire situation is this going to be somebody that you're going to trust to make the right choice for your baby or on your behalf because there's going to be a lot that you're not going to be a part of or see and so if you don't feel comfortable having that person stand in, I don't feel comfortable having a 21-year-old do that all day long. Correct. That was just me. Like, I, I, when we interviewed that one, mm-mm. And then New York, remember her? I remember New York, New York, New York. Get your oh. coffee. How could I yeah. forget? Oh, that was horrible. That it's probably is worth sharing, isn't it? It's kind of a funny story. Let's hear it. Okay, I'll just say it really quick. <laughs> and then I know you have to go relieve your sitter. Okay, so care.com has a lot of really great gems on there. This one lady was a grandmother from New York, and I was so excited because I was like, okay, I just interviewed three sub-25-year-olds. Like, not happening. They can't even put two words together, so... <laughs> but that wasn't... So I was really encouraged by, oh, potential grandma. And so... She was telling me that she was sitting right now for two boys under four. And so I'm like, oh, tell me, tell me how that is. Oh, I can't wait to get out of there. Like, I just really need, these boys stress me out. They're so crazy. And I'm like, oh, "Oh, okay. How do you deal with that when they, when they become a little rambunctious? Because this is a long-term game. Like, Eden's not going to be a baby forever. She literally told me, Kat, and I know I'm repeating this to you, but for our listeners, she told me. That sometimes she'll give them some baby Tylenol and put them in the crib and let them sleep when they get to be a little too crazy. And I that is a wild like, to me still. Wow, I can't believe that you're admitting that you are yeah. drugging someone else's children because you're overwhelmed. Like, and my question would and be: the fact does that she was interviewing, know? right? And the fact right? that she's interviewing for something else while she's caring for two other babies, like you're just going to leave that mom high and dry? I was like, hard pass. Yeah, no. You seriously so. have it good with loose. I feel like from what I've heard about with we other moms, amazing. like yeah, they don't have mm. it half as good as with loose. And I will say, even though this new sitter that we have, she's very, very new. She's only been here fewer than five times. I'm really happy with her. I found her on Sitter City, so a competitor to care, but they're basically the same thing. And we're about the same age. And I wouldn't go the Gen Z route. Like, we're millennials, right? I wouldn't go the Gen Z yeah. route because I have a certain vision of most Gen Z babysitters as being glued to their phone, watching TikTok. Um, but I'm really impressed like with her. Like getting diaper trapped under their acrylic nails. <laughs> exactly. 
exactly. But what I really like about um, our new sitter is she's very child-led, pro-Montessori. She's never on her phone. Mm-hmm. She loves to be in the outdoors with Julian. Um, she She's also anti-devices, like anti-synthetic fragrance. I'm like, whoa, where, where were you this past year? And she was apparently just a few houses yeah. down, babysitting for another family. So I feel really fortunate. So you guys, I guess our recommendations are look on Sitter City and Care. They have to go through background checks. Do the multi-interview process. Take your time. Be thorough. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to say what your boundaries and rules are and your processes as well, in addition to observing how they would do things naturally too. Yeah. And last thing I will say, I'm not anti-device 100% because early, early in this relationship, Luz will take Eden on a paseo, which is just a little walk outside in her stroller. And I would just sit while they would be on a walk and be like, where are they? <laughs> Why is like it panicking. taking so long? I would go up to stairs. I'm like, Hunter, I'm like, it's been 45 minutes. Where do you think they are? Like, we live at the end of the neighborhood. And so <laughs> I ended up buying an Apple AirTag because I was so That's sick smart. to my stomach. I just had this this vision that somebody was going to drive up in the neighborhood, punch her out, snag it, and then drive off. Like, this was this weird thing I was I had in my head. So anyway, got an Apple AirTag put it in the stroller, and then I literally just watched the whole walk to see, oh, they're going down here and up there. So I'm not anti-device all the way. That is true. Like a little bit of balance. We are anti-sitters going through Instagram or TikTok or anything else while watching or showing babies YouTube videos. No, No, she won't even. If In fact, she wanted to play a song for Eden, and so she hid the phone under the chair and wow. just played the audio because she didn't want her seeing the, the video. So anyway, five out over. of five. We got to wrap it up. Yes. Yeah. Best of luck to you. We're here for you. Our heart bleeds. We know how much you want to be with your baby despite your circumstance. And we also know that when you're with your baby all the time, you want to be away from your baby sometimes and you need a break. Yes. And that's okay too. And- Yeah, totally normal. Exactly. Thank you, dads. And so we hope that this episode answered all your burning questions about candid stay-at-home mom versus full-time working mom life. Until next time. Yeah, none of of them are easy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, hang it up. Hello, listeners. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to Moms Off the Record. It's thanks to you that we have such a loyal and growing community of like-minded moms, and your support means the world to us. There are countless complimentary ways to show your support, such as leaving us a written review on Apple Podcasts, a rating on Apple, Spotify, or whichever platform you use to listen to MOTR, and sharing a favorite episode or Instagram post across your social channels and directly with your network. Anything to help us boost our algorithm to reach more moms like us. Additionally, you can help to support our efforts to bring you the highest quality, uncensored, and in-demand content by making a financial contribution. Head to momsofftherecordpod.com and click support us in the drop-down menu. Truly, even $5 goes such a long way. Also, be sure to check out our affiliate codes, which you can find in our Instagram story highlights and on our website at the top of the resources tab for discounts across some of our favorite brands. These products and services have been carefully vetted by Kat and I, and we cannot imagine living our crunchy mom lifestyle without them. Your support goes such a long way, and we cannot thank you enough. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can also follow us at Moms Off the Record Pod on Instagram or send us an email at Pod at gmail.com. 
We love to hear from you. We love to engage with you. And though we may have our hands full, we do read every single message. Until next time, mamas.